Hey, this is Steve back again with another episode of the Endurance Path Podcast with me, Steve. Got a race report for you today, and this is actually a current one. So if you're just joining in to the podcast, uh, for your quick information, I actually kicked this podcast off just a few weeks ago, a couple weeks ago, maybe. And uh, I've kind of kicked it off with doing some audio of old race reports. Uh, the race reports are kind of typically how people have found my blog, my website, uh, how I've kind of connected with people, and they've kind of grown over the last few years and, and uh, have actually kind of turned into some good resources for people trying to understand and figure out some races. So I thought that was a good way to, to kick the podcast off. The, uh, po- the, the race reports are not the only thing that's going to be on the podcast. Uh, I have some other things that I do as far as uh, some monthly recaps. Um, if I blog about something, I'll probably, uh, record some audio about it. Uh, some of that might be kind of going through whatever the report and then, uh, anything that I blog about and I follow up with a podcast, you can be sure there'll be some additional commentary and and whatnot along, alongside of it. Uh, and then I, I do plan to do some other things in the future as well. I might get into some, some gear things. I'm not a gear expert at all. Uh, but I think that's why it, <laughs> me talking about gear might be a little bit more interesting because I have a feeling that there's probably some other folks out there, um, maybe with the same, same situations, whatnot that, uh, maybe I run into and some perspective on it. So, uh, it's most of the gear discussion might be more about gear woes than anything else. So anyways, thanks for tuning in. This is episode eight in the podcast feed. This is the 2017 Wilderness 101 Mountain Bike Race Report. This is actually a NUE series race. So if you don't know what the NUE is, it's the National Ultra Endurance Series. Uh, they have a whole bunch of 100-mile mountain bike races in the series. Well, I say a whole bunch. I, somewhere in the 12 to 15, give or take. And then they also have uh, an entire series of 100K range races. Uh, many of them are the same same venues. Uh, however, Wilderness only has a 100 mile, at least it did for this year. So this is out in Pennsylvania, uh, not that far from uh, State College. The venue took place, uh, it was in a little town called Coburn, Pennsylvania, in uh, some pretty hilly terrain, at least for me, uh, huge climbs. I may have climbed. I don't. I don't know for sure, but there's a fair chance that I might have made the the three, four, the biggest climbs I've I've ever made. Made them all in one day. But anyways, we'll get to that. Uh, but let's uh, go ahead and dive into it again. 2017 Wilderness 101 Mountain Bike Race Report. Okay, so the 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 Wilderness 101 had been on my kind of my to-do list, bucket list. I don't know if I want to call it bucket list. Um, you know, cause there's, there's some, there's some races that I really consider bucket list, but the wilderness was, um, it was on my to-do list. It, it wasn't uh, a race I necessarily thought I had to do a big bunch of prep for, but I wanted to get out there and, and ride it, race it at some point. And, uh, this spring I had done, I had done a bunch of short races. I, I did a trail run race. I did an adventure triathlon and, you know, 
all st- I had done a couple of four hour lap races, mountain bike races and, uh, th- cross country race. It was a little over three hours. And then I did the Lutzen 99 and that was six hours and something, six forties, something like that. And, uh, the Lutzen's a hundred miler, but it was, it's a fast hundred miler, but it, it got me back in that mindset of wanting to do the long stuff again. And part of that was I, uh, I wasn't that happy with my my finishing time at the Lutzen either. But at any rate, I, in July, I had plans to do a bunch of short races. I was even going to do a little bit of road racing and was thinking about doing a triathlon. And I scratched all that and uh, I was looking at my schedule and I was like, you know what? I can fit this Wilderness 101 in. So it uh, just kind of happened to, to work out. And I... I kind of always have stuff like that going in the back of my head. I kind of, I follow all of the races and kind of know when they're all going on. And so it, you know, it's not that it's, it's common for me to like all of a sudden decide I'm going to go do something different or, or whatever. So I usually kind of, as the season's going on, I kind of have a pretty good idea of what I want to do, but I also, I always have some back burner stuff, some, some backup plans, things that I can, I change into. So. Um, and I also, I think the other thing I was, I was missing is I love getting out to new races and I didn't really have, I I did some new races this, this spring for sure. Uh, but I didn't have any new events that were in a brand new place for me with all new stuff. The, the Bora Epic was new trails. I'd never ridden those trails, but it was, I had been to Hayward a few times, um, so I, I didn't really have that like trip where I went out to a brand new place, raced with a bunch of people I've never raced with before and, and that kind of thing. So it was, I think that's the other reason that was was kind of itching. And so and for me, that anticipation of that new race and the preparation and the journey and the drive, you know, sitting behind the wheel of the car, the, the packing up to get out there, that's all all kind of part of it. And some people dread that part of it, but to me, that's it's all, it's all what builds it up to be a really neat thing to go do. Again, it's just different way to look at it, or at least it's how I look at it anyways. So, but anyways, if you've gone through the, the race report, you'll know that I was planning to do a podcast. Uh, so hope, hope you enjoy it. I hope you actually, um, had a chance to read through the race report, look at it. Cause I, I think it'll make listening through to the podcast a little more interesting and maybe more entertaining. Uh, you might, maybe you get some of my extra commentary a little bit better as well, uh, or kind of know where, where I'm coming from on it anyways. So, uh, about the race venue, this is something too, that I don't, I don't always talk about in my race reports. And I think going forward, it's a good idea that I will. The reason that I specifically brought it up in this race report is because it was really cool. And so it was, it just seemed like something that should be talked about. Uh, the race it is in a small town, Coburn, Pennsylvania. There's a little park in this town and with basically a big open mode field grass area. Uh, there's a pavilion and you know, all that kind of stuff. But, uh, the race took it over for the weekend. So as a Friday, racers came in and started setting up their tents and, uh, camping out for the weekend. You know, there's no, no shower facilities or anything there, but you, know, you were coming in on Friday afternoon night and gonna get up and start a race at 7 a.m um not not a big deal they there was uh 
uh, garden hose out there for after the race. So you could get all get all cleaned up and stuff. And they had, you know, enough enough uh, Portageon houses out there as well. So, but anyways, it was really cool. So for me, I th- I thought it was one. I made this big trip out there, so it was really really neat to just like Friday afternoon and evening just hanging out and meeting some of the other racers that were there camping next to me and and uh just it was a, a really really cool atmosphere i could see the start finish line from my tent i thought that was pretty convenient and then uh after the race i didn't have to get in my car and go anywhere i i parked my car there friday uh and then didn't didn't move my car again until sunday morning so saturday after the race was just the same thing hanging out and and uh tons of food from the race promoter and beer and and uh so it was it was a good time a lot of just good camaraderie too with the other racers so i really enjoyed it um so as far as the course layout goes um i should i should note i believe that the course layout for this year was different than past races in fact i don't believe it i i I know it was. They were talking about changes, and the the promoter was warning people that had been there in the past about the changes. I kind of just glossed over it because I'd never been to the race before, so it didn't matter to me. I was just going to follow the signs. Uh, and the course the course was marked pretty well too. The uh, um, anyways, there's ton of there was a ton of gravel, but big climb. So what I was told, the information I was told ahead of time was that uh, lots of gravel uh, or uh, I guess I wasn't told lots of gravel. I was told you're going to climb big climbs on big, long climbs on gravel. And then you descend through the rocks. And then I, uh, someone had told me that, uh, more rocks than I'd ever ridden combined. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say that, but there was, uh, the single track was all rocks. I mean, it was very, very rocky. So yeah, there was, there was tons of gravel and, you know, and I did not go through, and identify how much was gravel, but there was, uh, gravel Jeep trails, uh, you know, Jeep trail, kind of two trackish rough Jeep trails. And then the single track and the single track was, it was rocky. There was no flowy Imba style single track on this course. It was, it was rough. Um, so I've ridden, it probably had a higher density of rocks uh, then I guess I've ridden anywhere, maybe except for true grit, just because the true grit course is like almost, I mean, half of it's on a rock, uh, but it's different type of rock. The, uh, the rocks here is, you know, you're on a trail with these large, just large rocks. I, I couldn't imagine riding it on a, on a, on a rigid bike. The, uh, Marjigasic 100 has, has quite a few rocks as well. Uh, and there's, you know, you, I, I guess I would say there's more rocks on the on the Margie, um, but Margie is way way more single track. Uh, you know, there's a few sections of trail on the Margie that are very reminiscent of the amount of rocks that are um, out there to to Coburn. But there was in in uh, at the wilderness, but there was definitely some trail at on the wilderness that was just really really rugged and in rocky big rocks. As far as elevation goes, you, you're pretty much going up that uphill or downhill. If you look at the elevation profile from my, uh, my ride, very, very little flat ground. Um, there was some descending on the gravel, you know, so 
all the downhill was not gravel. Uh, in fact, I hit over 40 miles an hour more than a couple of times. One of the, one of those times that I, I hit, I think I hit like 42 and a half miles an hour or something. One of the, the gravel descents later in the race. Uh, I'll talk about that when I get into the race, but so for total elevation, my, my files are a little screwy. So training peaks says 13,345. I know that's, it's gotta be wrong. And when I look at the the elevation profile that training peaks kicked out, it's all the climbs are like really jagged. And I know those climbs weren't jagged because they were, they were gravel. They were steady, consistent, uh, climbs. Strava says 10,850 feet. So I think Strava is probably fairly accurate. I had done the elevation correction on for, for both files actually as well. Um, anyways, lots of climbing and, uh, yeah, big, big climbs. Um, so as far as my, my goals and, and, uh, whatnot for the race objectives, so some, some folks might be able to relate to this, but over the past few years, I've learned to set some different types of goals for races, um, versus just aiming for like one finishing time and that being it. Um, so, and, and again, that, that potentially be a different story if, so if this was my like primary target race and, um, if this was, uh, or if I was, you know, a guy that would expect to be on the podium, uh, you know, I might set those, those goals might be a little bit different. I say, man, in order for me to hit that podium spot, I'm probably going to have to finish in this specific time. And I'm, uh, but I think in that position too, you wouldn't be racing for a time. You're going to be racing the other racers. Um, but anyways, for where I'm at, I guess in, in my level, um, you know, I'm, I keep getting faster every year. Um, I'm only 38. So maybe five, six years ago, I thought maybe I was getting older, but now I kind of feel like, I don't know, I'm, I'm in the best shape I've ever been in. I, I feel like I'm in better shape now than I was when I was a wrestler in high school. But, um, so I feel young. I feel like I got a lot of time left to keep doing this and I got time yet to continue getting faster and stronger. So, Maybe the way I race down the road may change, you know, maybe down the road, I'll set different goals like that. Uh, but for me, I always like to kind of test myself out too. So one, if I'm going out to a race, it's the first time me being out there. I don't know the course. I don't know the terrain, uh, racing with people that I'm not used to racing with that I don't, you know, quite know. Um, I got to set some different goals, you know, so setting a race time finishes could be a bit arbitrary. So um, and then the other thing is like when I was going into this race, I should add to it is, um, I was doing a, uh, training block in July. And then I, I kind of had a sp- specific thing that I mapped out for myself, a little training plan I built for myself for July and then one for August, uh, all in kind of preparation to build up for the Margie Gessick 100 in September, because I need to go get that belt buckle. Uh, so I was going into the wilderness. I wasn't going to carry a lot of fatigue into it. Um, my, my, my legs were, were heavy. I, I had worked pretty hard leading up to it. And, uh, you know, that's the way it was going to be. I was just going to kind of fit. It was basically going to be my last heavy ride of that training block. And then I was going to take a, take an easy week. That's why it fit in. Cause I knew I was going to take a, a light easy week the week after the race anyway, so that I could, um, do another block in August. So that, that's really actually why it worked out. So anyways, my my first goal um, was to stay with the lead group through the first aid station at mile 19. 
So I had heard that that could be pretty key to having a good race too, is uh, you may, if you can make the first climb, if you're a climber and you can make the first climb with the lead group, uh, there's long downhill after that and some fast gravel for quite a while, quite a ways. There's another climb out of that and in long, uh, not super steep, not really steep. And I, I don't know if that I'd consider it a climb after doing the rest of the climbs in this race. Um, but anyways, so my, that was my first, first goal. I prioritized over uh, finishing time. So even if, even if, uh, staying with that lead group through mile 19 could be detrimental to my finishing time, I, that was my plan. I was, I wanted to do that. I wanted to see what it took. I want to see where my heart rate ended up at and how hard I had to push to, to stay, stay there. Um, and then my second goal was I, I did want to finish in eight hours. Again, it's kind of arbitrary. Um, I kind of, and maybe I shouldn't have done this, but I told myself I'd be satisfied with nine. And then maybe that's, I might screw up by doing that sometimes because then I, you know, you get midway toward the end of a race, not feeling it. And then you, you know, you mentally tell yourself, well, I said, I'd still be okay with nine. So that, that could be a, that could be a mistake doing that. So regardless, even if you, you're kind of, it's kind of arbitrary setting a finish time. You obviously got to use that to kind of plan out your drop bags, nutrition, all that kind of stuff. That's, that's how I kind of plan my length of the race. So you gotta, I gotta come up with a window regardless, right? Okay. Finally on to the race. So the rollout eased out of the park, uh, down a couple miles of paved river road before making a left-hand turn to start the first climb. Uh, nobody really busted out aggressively when we hit the climb. I, I kind of seemed like maybe somebody would, and you know, there was a little, there was a lot of moving around. I think people just trying to find their, find their place, uh, in the pack. Um, you know, about during the first half of the climb anyways, I think, and that's I, what's going on in my head during that time is at some point, right. It's probably going to break and people are going to pop and, and I don't want to be stuck behind, somebody who's about to pop when I still got legs and then end up getting pushed off the back of that lead group when I could have stayed on. So I'm, I don't know, I'm just, this is a total assumption. I'm assuming some of those thoughts are going through other folks' heads as well. Um, wanting to make sure they're in a good position, you know, find a good wheel to stay on where somebody looks strong and you're not going to get pushed off the back on somebody else's accord. So, um, I, I, I pulled myself up to sit in about the top 15 or so riders, got in a comfortable gear. Um, there were three spots on the climb where the grade let off a bit, uh, but it did not definitely, it definitely did not let level out. Uh, you can see the red line in my elevation chart if you go through the, um, the actual race report, uh, where my heart rate rose up during some spots. So, um, I wrote in my race report that I had burnt a couple matches, you know, burnt two matches going up, uh, one or two. It, it wasn't significant though. And I, I guess maybe I hesitate to say if I, if it was burning a match or not, I, I probably was. So my heart rate stayed, um, pretty controlled. And there was a couple of points where it started, started jumping up. And for me, my, like my thresholds around 171, 170 to 172. And, um, my heart rate, I think somewhere in there it hit one. I don't know if it was on the first climb or not that it hit 178, but somewhere in heading out to the first aid station, I did bounce off 178. But I sat up in that 170 something 
uh, a couple of times during that that climb up. Um, the uh, um, there was at one point about three quarters of the way up, and that's when it seemed like there was an extra hard effort going in. Um, I wasn't quite on the rivet yet, and I knew things were people were starting to get spit off. But at this point, I I knew I was going to make it up up the climb. I had actually the Thursday because I had actually gotten out to Coburn Thursday night. Uh, I had camped in another little local campground out there that was actually about a quarter of the way up the climb. So I actually rode up most of the climb Thursday. Or I rode all the way to the top anyways. I just didn't didn't ride the very first part. So going back to the hanging in there on that first climb, based on how it all went, I would I would completely do the same thing over again. 100% um, if I go out to the race a second time. Um, but I sometimes these are just the little tests that you need to progress your racing, or at least that's how I look at it. Um, I think I think you have to do things like this, even if it could be detrimental to your overall race, because I, I think you learn from it. And I've, I used to think that like I was going to go out and every race was going to be like a great race, but that's not the case. So I, I try to go into different races and learn something out of each one. I mean, there's, there's some times that I like, I will completely blow myself up and I know I'm going to do it. Like I tell myself into it and I'm like, I'm going to do this even if it, even if I blow myself up. Cause then I get to kind of see how, how I react with it and, and how to deal with it. Um, but anyways, to each his own and we we're all a little bit, uh, a little bit different with it. So the descent on the other side was, was fast. And at some point we came to a hard left. Um, I was ready for that because on Friday morning I had actually driven in my car the first 19 miles of the course. Uh, so I, it was a, it was a hard left and another hill and, uh, there seemed to be a hard effort up that hill out of that left-hand turn that that group we were with was kind of strung out a little bit. Uh, one, because of the long descent gravel is pretty loose. The road is really crowned. Uh, so it's not like a sit back and relax descent. I mean, you can't relax on a mountain bike at 38 miles an hour and loose gravel on a really crowned road. Um, cause it, it was a little dangerous if you tried to go from one side of the road to the other. Uh, the center was really crowned and really loose. So, um, I had wrote in here in my race report that I made it my business to stay on as I knew there was going to be a handful of miles without much elevation change until we got closer to the first aid station. So yeah, I was, when I made that left-hand turn, I was like, I, I got to stay on with this group. Um, there was some point in here, I can't remember if it was uh, before that previous left turn or after it, that it seemed like everybody just kind of sat up and backed off. And it, I guess it probably was a few guys at the front maybe didn't want to get stuck pulling the entire time or, uh, or whatever it was. I, I really don't know. I just, all of a sudden it was kind of like everybody sat up and I swear we must've rolled half mile, mile, just easy, easy pace. Um, there was a few small conversations going on. It's kind of interesting for me to be up in that group. You know, I mean, I, not that often you get to ride around guys at that level and, um, just, <laughs> The, the chit chat and kind of joking around that happens. I had a chance to chat quickly with Gordon Wadsworth and, and, uh, I see his, I enjoy his social media posts. So that was, uh, kind of fun getting to chat with him. 
the uh, I, I threw a link to his blog on the bottom of my race report. Uh, if you're interested, check it out. He's he's got some good good reports out there on his on his uh, website. Um, so I never I, I mentioned this. There was another climb going to the aid station, but I never really felt like you hit like a specific solid hill prior to that aid station. But at some point, we started heading uphill again, um, and it was just it was just it was uh, it was a hill, but it was just it was dwarfed because of the the big one that we had made at the start. So you could start feeling the work again. Um, and then it came to a bit of a steep grade before we headed back downhill right before that aid station. Um, I could kind of see folks looking around and getting ready for that, you know, second game on to begin as we made the right hand turn into aid one. Uh, and I think there was about 15 of us, uh, maybe 20. I'm not sure. Um, so there were volunteers, handing out fresh water bottles um, if you wanted to drop yours. I still had plenty of water and kept riding. So my intention was to uh, ride to H Station 2 before stopping for anything. Uh, and then, uh, yeah. So, and then, uh, it's, I'm sorry, H Station 2 was at mile 33. So after the first aid station, we started climbing up a two-track, and that's where the lead group started blowing apart. And it, it wasn't instant. Like I started to drop off fairly soon. And, and I don't know if that was just like mentally programmed into me, like, okay, yeah, I met my goal. And then I started to, all right, now I better race smart um, or not. I just, it's sometimes it's hard to say, even in, even in hindsight. Um, but so I could see some others behind me. I could see some others up the two track, starting to string out behind the group. Um so the other thing is, I did feel a little flat when we did hit that two track, um, and that it does make it that makes sense. I mean, my legs were feeling a little bit heavy and they felt flat. It made sense because I I had been doing I had been doing a lot of strength work in some lower cadence stuff um, in the weeks leading up to this, and I hadn't I had not been doing very much. Um, like high speed anaerobic stuff. And, um, yeah, it's my, my legs are feeling pretty heavy. So, um, that being said, yeah. And so even, even the part that felt like it leveled out, uh, it didn't really level out. Right. So, you know, sometimes you're climbing and you're like, Oh, it's, it's going to start leveling out. It didn't actually level out. I mean, when I went back and looked at the, the elevation profile, I was like, Oh yeah, I, we were still climbing. That's why I, my legs felt really heavy still, and I felt slow. Um, but anyway, it's, there there was a crazy fast descent. So it was it had rained the night before. In fact, it was raining when I woke up and crawled out of my tent in the morning to get ready for the race. Uh, so we were headed down a two-track that was super fast. Uh, there was, you know, it was, it was wide enough to get two bikes on it. It was like a Jeep trail. Um, but you know, if you had to, to, you did, you wouldn't wanted to ride it side by side. If you were going to go buy somebody, you just wanted to get by them. Uh, but I was just mud, water splashing up on my got, you know, my, uh, my glasses kind of hard to see. Um, I, I got caught by a couple people on this, on this section and the, uh, I, <laughs> I was, I was probably being too much of a chicken at the time. And, uh, but I, I can see that great. Anyways, I was kind of just getting into it. So, 
Uh, anyways, there was another gravel climb, and I was I was pretty strong on that, and I believe I pulled pulled a couple people back in. Uh, we we finally hit some single track, and it was wet and rocky. It was it uh, wasn't the rockiest part of the course by any means, uh, but but the rocks were big rocks, and it was it was kind of wet, and it was definitely not flowy Imba style trail. Uh, I hit I finally hit a section that I later came to known as Three Bridges Trail. Uh, where there are a long pile of rocks uh, that follow three bridges, and I I recognize this one section from if you if you follow Dirtwire TV they I have a link to their their stuff as well in my race report on the website but totally recommend checking them out but there's a video for the Wilderness 101 on Dirtwire TV and I, I quickly recognize this section of rocks from that video so. Uh, there was another climb in there where I think I lost a spot or two and then the gravel took a, took a left up another two track or it was kind of a lighter Jeep trail that, that went into the second aid station that was at mile 33. So I, I wasn't at mile 33 aid station long at all. So actually all I did was I filled up my water bottle. That, that was it. So, uh, I, I hung my bike up quick, filled up the water bottle. Um, leaving aid station two was some single track that quickly turned into some really rocky switchback descending. It was, it was awesome. And when I got to the bottom of it, I was, I was kind of amazed. I was able to ride the whole thing without having to dab or unclip, you know, whatever. And I actually like yelled out a big old woohoo, um, toward the end of it. It was just, it was fun. Um, probably because it was all downhill so i didn't have to pedal and it was there was switchbacks in it but it was the whole thing was rocky like just rugged rock like using all the suspension coming down it on the brakes a bunch and these were switchbacks and and i'm totally going off off script from what my you know my race report here this is this is the podcast part right with the extra commentary the if it was like it, it actually the the switchbacks followed what you would find in one of those like really you know well groomed cleaned cut um machine built flowy bermed trails but this thing was just all rough rocky uh terrain so it was it was awesome uh, anyways i I, and I did, I handled it pretty good, I think. So I think it's all, all a matter of my self-perspective, right? Um, so I, I believe at the end of that, I dumped back out on some gravel for another climb. Um, at the top of that climb, I believe this is where I was dumped back into what people were referring to as the river. Uh, so again, later that evening, right? We're all hanging out. So I, I think this is what everybody referred to as the river trail because there was literally uh, a part of this trail that was like flowing white water running down the trail that I was riding through. Um, so this trail was rocky. It was steep. It had big old holes full of water that su- it looked like you were going to lose your front tire in. And some of them you did lose your front tire in. Um, it was just, you didn't know how fast you could hit them. Uh, I, I lost a couple of spots in traffic there. I, you know, I think I ended up picking them back up though, 
I think maybe the, now that I think back to it, I think, I think the spot I lost, uh, somebody was coming up on me fast and I was asking them if they needed to get, if I was going to hold them up and they said, you know, I asked if they could buy, I let them buy, but then I think they got lost their front, their tire and, uh, their front wheel and, uh, one of those holes and I ended up coming back by them. And then I think they caught back right on my tail at the very end of the trail when we hit the gravel. Um, but it was, yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was pretty, pretty cool. Um, it's one of those things that you either going to love it or hate it. You know, it was, it's not like something I want to go ride in all the time. Cause it's just the amount of water and mud. And then it was very, very hard on the bike, but it was a brand new experience in riding for me. So it was, it was awesome. Um, and then the, yeah, the flowing water down, I mean, literally like a river flowing down this really steep trail. Uh, at the bottom, there was some more gravel. Uh, still went down downhill just for like a little short period. Uh, and then we made another gravel climb up to aid station three. This is right around the 49 mile mark, a little after 49. And it was, it's a pretty good climb up to that point. Um, and I, I lost some time on one of the previous climbs and then got caught. Yeah. Like I said, I got caught in that river trail. Um, but anyways, so I'm at aid station three at aid station three. I didn't have barely anything in my drop bag. I think I had a spare tube, um, maybe an extra water bottle in case maybe I lost my water bottle on the trail side or something. Cause they give you the drop bags. So I'm going to use them. And then I had, um, one of those little things of pickle juice. I'd never used those before in races. And, uh, they come in those little, little, I don't know, maybe two ounce shots of it or something, pickle juice. I had had one in my Jersey and I actually had used it earlier. Cause I had a, like my calf felt like a cramp was coming on. So I was like, I'll try it out. And, uh, I, I never got the cramp, never came back. So I, I grabbed my, my other pickle juice that I had in there. And the reason, uh, the reason I had tried that stuff out is earlier in the season, um, two races. It was the Wooly four hour marathon lap race. And then the Bora Epic, I had the nastiest leg cramps I ever had, like lock you right up and tip you over sideways on your bike, leg cramps. Um, and so I kind of fearful of that happening in a hundred miler. So I grabbed that filled up my, uh, water bottle. I had carried with me uh, a Ziploc bag with my carbo rocket refill. So I filled up my water bottle with plain water in my hydration pack, two liter hydration pack. I filled that back up, dumped my carbo rocket powder in there. And I don't know why I didn't put the carbo rocket. Well, I know why I didn't do it. I, the reason I carried the carbo rocket powder in my Jersey pocket in a Ziploc bag was just, I don't know, that off chain. That's, that was like my main fuel resource for the race. And you know, I don't know. You never know. Like something happens to drop bag or whatever like that. So I, I carried that with me. Um, so I left out of there. I was on a pretty good pace time at this point. Uh, the road headed up another climb out of aid station three. So basically about the same amount of climb headed out of three that I had going in. And I didn't know the course. I didn't know one of the things I struggled with this race was I didn't know how long the climbs were aside from the very first one. The first one's the only one that I really knew how to gauge my effort. And so I would hit some of these other climbs and I was like, I don't think I pushed hard enough. I, I was, um, 
you know, I, I wasn't willing to over push it on them because I guess I just I didn't know how long I was going to be climbing for. So there were some of them that I got to the top and I was like, ah, I should have pushed that one harder. And then there was other ones that I got halfway up and went, oh man, I, this thing's going to keep going. You know how that is. Um, so it, my legs started feeling feeling flat again here. And this is this is about the time in the race where my I really started to kind of fall off pace. Um, at the top of the hill, there was a there was a slight downhill. And we dropped back into some single track, if I uh, remember correctly. This was a, yeah, this was the single track that I really, really struggled on. Um, it was scattered with a lot of rocks. Uh, and I, I was just, I was not, I did not make very good time at all. I got caught, passed by a few folks on this trail uh, that, like, when they came by me, I, I had no idea how they were able to bust through it that fast. Uh, I mean, they just really handled the well, the rocks well. I just was not riding through them good, and I just I just couldn't get a good flow on it. Uh, eventually, it turned into a, a steeper downhill and a wider path, and I was able to carry speed and I could just kind of let it go. But I I think it's going downhill on rocks is one thing, right? You just let the bike go, suspension, and you ride it. So I don't have a problem riding the rocks. Uh, I think where I'm getting caught up at is is knowing how to pedal and maneuver over the rocks, putting all that together. So one, getting the turnover of the legs through all that up and down and bumpy motion. And um, that's that's kind of where I'm struggling with, right? So I, I just, it's something that uh, I got to find a place to go work on that. Um, but that downhill part after that was fun. Um, so there was some more gravel after that. Before we hit another section of single track, uh, I believe this is where the trail that was referred to as No Name was at. Um, so <laughs> there was this trail. Yeah, it was. Everybody later was talking about a ah, No Name trail. Um, so this was like the narrowest bench cut type trail. I don't want to call it a bench cut. It was like barely a cut in the side of this steep hill. Um, and it was full of rocks too. So there was not really a line either, other than, you know, you had a few inches of space that you better probably try to keep your, your tire on. Um, and like, I was, I was pretty nervous going down it. Cause I knew like, if I, if you crashed on it, you were going to tumble, uh, down the hill a bit. The, uh, it was actually something that, you know, I was almost, there was a couple of times going down and I was like, I wonder if I should walk this, but then, you know, once you were committed on it, you're committed. And, um, it worked out. I made it. So I made it all the way to the bottom. And then at the very bottom of, uh, no name trail was a wet bridge <laughs> that I hit with, uh, a little too much of angle, lost the front end and I went down. So, uh, thankfully I was almost all the way across the bridge when I did this. And so when I went down, I, I didn't go in whatever the bridge was going over. I crashed off on the other side, right in front of the photographer who was taking pictures. So uh, I was I was okay. Photographer actually showed me the picture that he took of me as I was getting up off the ground, and at like first glance, it looked like oh he didn't he didn't get me crashing. And uh, he was like one more frame, and uh, he'd have got me hitting the dirt. So I, I mean I was leaning in the picture, right? But the uh, so I I jumped on my bike, 
laughed about it, told him only him and I'd know the truth of how that one played out. And, uh, and then I got going. So, uh, later the release of the picture would obviously show that I was well on my way to hitting the dirt. So, um, it was a good, it was a good, really good picture. Uh, in fact, I have a link to, uh, Bob's photo gallery, uh, at the bottom of my race report on the blog. So make sure you check that out. There's a bunch of races, pictures from the races, uh, and in there somewhere in the no name trail section includes the picture of me about to hit the dirt. So, uh, there was some gravel road again, and then, uh, made some, made a left-hand turn on some pavement to find myself at aid station four, which was mile 66, something like that. Uh, six mile 69. So I had a slight hiccup at aid four. Uh, but basically my plan going in there was, um, I, I really wasn't, shouldn't have needed a whole lot. Uh, but an aid four was kind of like my catch all, like, right. If race is going really bad, uh, I've got extra stuff in my, my drop bag at that mileage, right? Like extra food, some spare carbo rocket powder, which I wasn't planning to use. I did grab my spare gels and stuff. So I filled up my water bottle. And then after I filled up my water bottle, grabbed spare food out of my drop bag, I was like, yeah, I'm good. And then I went to take off and I was like, you know what? I don't know what I'm getting into up here. I, I'm going to top off my hydration pack. So I stopped, had them fill up my hydration pack. And I mean, they didn't know what I was doing other than I was like filling up my hydration pack. And then, then I just was going to go grab my, my drop bag again, which was gone, which, but I didn't know. So the aid station about, they're like on top of things. So after you use your drop bag, then they put it in the trailer so that it goes back to the, the, the start finish line venue. So uh, it, it took a minute to like realize that that's what happened. And so the, uh, the, one of the volunteers got my drop bag out of the trailer and, got my carbo rocket powder on it kind of, I didn't use it all, but cause I had just topped off the bag. So I put a little bit in and then I got going. So, um, leaving aid four was this really long Jeep trail climb. And it, it just, this one wore on me. Um, and I, I had mentioned earlier that I was carrying quite a bit of fatigue into the race. Uh, my, my quads were pretty flat at this point. So I worked my way up the drill, the Jeep trail at a pretty, pretty light pace. Um, I got caught by somebody again there. Um, that being said, I, and I, I wrote this in my race report too, is in hindsight. And I still, so this is a few days later that I'm recording this since I wrote it. I, I regret not pushing it harder on that climb. Um, and I only say that because knowing how I felt at the end of the race is, uh, you know, I, I had the legs at the end of the race to, to, to push the effort. So, um, at the top of it, uh, there was some downhill. Um, and I believe this was on a, the same type of two track or Jeep type trail, uh, versus gravel road. Uh, it, it wasn't very long. I came to an old bridge that was missing everything, but the steel beams, but the race arrows took us down below it and I actually had to go through the crick step right in the, the cold crick which actually felt nice and cool but i really didn't need my shoes full of water again and i hadn't mentioned this before but the uh um this season i've been using gorilla tape to hold my shoes together so i have the velcro is just trashed worn out on them. so if i go out like on a gravel ride around my house or just 
maybe only a lap or two around the local single track. They'll hold up as long as everything's dry and, and whatever. Um, as soon as I get into a race, it's like a little bit messy or something like they, they won't stay closed. So anything where like any like race that I've done that has any length to it, I just been gorilla taping them, uh, just so I don't have to worry about them coming out. So I had actually, there, there's so many rocks. I had actually cut the gorilla tape on rocks on both shoes earlier in the race. Um, only on one strap on each shoe. So I, there was still other, two other straps. And I think the one that got cut was the middle one, but some of the Velcro is like kind of flapping around on those middle straps for the last like 60 miles of the race. And I probably should have tried at aid station or something. It's kind of one of the things I never thought about it when I was, when I was coming in, but anyways, back to the race. So I, I dropped another overall place shortly after the Crick, uh, which happened to be to the men's 50 plus winner that day. Um, in, he was, he was motoring along pretty strong when he came by me. And, uh, anyways, I kept working up the Jeep trail. I think I came back out on some actual road at some point after this. And then I can't remember if this was the, this section or not, but somewhere in the race there, we come out a little pavement section and went through like a little neighborhood, um, with some houses and that kind of thing. Um, it, it might've just been another short section of gravel too. I, I, I can't quite remember. Um, anyways, it wasn't very long. And I think there was another section of trail. And when I wrote the report, I was having a hard time picturing exactly what it looked like. And I, I still am, uh, but it did work its way uphill for a while. Uh, you know, at least according to the elevation profiles and it might have been a little bit sandy. There's some point, um, in the race, I remember riding something a little bit sandy and I can't picture exactly where it was at fair chance. It was in this section because I believe later when I was back looking at the, the Strava, it might've actually been called like sand mountain. So we'll err on that side. Um, I remember, I remember feeling the fatigue starting to get me at this point. And I was, I was moving along slow. Um, I had been climbing for the last like seven or eight miles. So like, yeah, the last seven or eight miles had all been moving upwards in elevation, uh, aside from one short little downhill, uh, at the top of the Jeep trail that I had mentioned earlier. So this was all kind of starting to stack up on my legs. So, um, much of the training I had been doing in the last three weeks leading up to this race, again, not for this race for the Margie, but leading up to this race was actually like climbing, but it was, uh, really, really short, low cadence and like extremely high efforts. Um, my, my legs were trashed at this point ready for some breaks. So, um, I hit a section that was fairly wide and it looked, it looked like it was actually a maintained type of trail actually. Uh, and I, I remember this, I can picture this still. Um, I remember laughing when I hit it because, so I hit the trail. It looked like it was kind of like a maintained trail, almost like a, you know, like a jogging type path. It wasn't super, it wasn't like flat rail trailish like that. Um, but there was a sign out the front of it that, that said, uh, no motorized vehicles allowed. And then I swear, like, I don't know, 20, 30, 40, I can't remember yards down the road or down the trail. There was another sign that said ATVs must give right away to foot traffic. And I was like, well, I, I, there's a sign back there that says no motorized vehicles at all. So anyways, interesting humors. Um, 
anyways, it was a, it was a faster section of ride. And I, I think I started, there was like a little bit of a downhill point. Um, and then it kind of went into a left-hand turn. I hit some loose stuff or something, washed out the front end. And I, I hit the deck pretty hard. I, it rung my bells. I, uh, I lay there for a minute or so, got up real slow, doing the whole check everything over, stretching, feeling to see if my helmet's still together. And I, I don't know if I actually hit my head or I, my shoulder hurt. And later on, I had kind of like scarring on my shoulder. It must have been from the gravel, you know, getting it through the jersey. But um, yeah, I, I had a headache. And I, and again, I don't, I don't know if I actually hit my head or not, because there was no marks on my helmet. And I might have just come down so hard, hit my shoulder so hard that maybe just enough to jar uh, things. But it, yeah, that that one, uh, that one got me. I I got back on the bike after checking it over, and um, I kind of soft pedaled out of that one for a little bit. Um, so I was, after that, I was back out on some gravel, um, and then on another really steep gravel climb, of course. Um, it wasn't super long, but I was, I was ready to start heading downhill soon, regardless. Uh, my wish was granted shortly after, and I was sent downhill to hit the fastest speeds I've ever hit off of pavement. At least I, as far as I can remember anyways, based on my GPS file, uh, this downhill was right around three miles and it was steep. It was loose gravel, um, pretty much the same gravel that was on the rest of the gravel roads and it twisted its way down out of the hills. It wasn't super twisty, but there was a couple of turns that you had to get into the brakes heavy and well ahead of time or some bad stuff was likely to happen. I hit 42 miles per hour coming down this hill according to my GPS. It was uh, was one of those downhills that was awesome and scary all at the same time. There uh, There was a single speeder. I think he came up behind me before I hit the hill, I had I had to stop because my um, I was having issues with my drivetrain. Um, anyway, so I had to stop and get my chain unstuck that had dropped out and uh, and wedged itself between my chainstay and the the sprocket. So my lower limit screw somehow was out of adjustment. I don't know if it was maybe due to some bent derailleur hanger, and then I adjusted it on the dial and never whatever it was. Um, anyways, he had come by me just before the top of it. And then I kind of caught him halfway coming down the, uh, the hill, I think in some of the sections where you could still pedal. Um, and then anyways, we, we were kind of following each other coming down it when we got to the bottom and I was thinking to myself, I'm like, man, we went down that way too fast. And, uh, he, he said something to me like, uh, not much room for error on that one. Or, you know, we didn't leave much room for error on that one, but yeah, we were, we were flying. Um, so at the bottom of that was a left-hand turn up some paved section of road with a, just a nasty headwind. Um, at least it felt like a nasty headwind. It wasn't, it wasn't flat for very long. And then I was working back uphill again for like the next five miles on gravel roads. Um, if, if I remember that correctly, uh, after the climb, it was back downhill again on some gravel roads. And then I, I knew I was kind of getting close to the next, uh, next aid station. At some point I was making my descent down the gravel roads. Two folks on, uh, dirt bikes came around a corner hot and wide right in front of me. And, uh, <laughs> they left some skid marks in the road cause they came wide, like right out into my lane. I had to get into the brakes and, uh, they had to get in the brakes. But anyways, 
Uh, pretty soon I came to some like camping area. I could see some tents and stuff. Hit the arrows, made a right-hand turn, and then I found the final aid station. So I pulled into aid five really quick, filled up my water bottle, down two cups of uh, Coke that they had there at the aid station, and then I took off. A note on that, I'm still struggling with my, you know, the right nutrition type of thing. My body seems to respond really well to when I have like, like glasses of Coke or something like that in a race. And I, and I don't know if it's the caffeine or the sugar. I, I want to say it has to do with the sugar because I don't know that the, the caffeine that I've had in other stuff is working. I haven't figured it out. I guess I don't know if it's the caffeine or the simple sugars. Uh, but I know that whenever I've slammed some Coke or something in a race, it's, it's perked me up. Um, and I, and not from an awake standpoint, I, I feel like it from a, like a actual energy. So I, I don't know. I don't know enough about nutrition. It's something that I'm, I'm, I'm looking into maybe doing some study here this, this fall. Uh, but anyways, what I run right now is I run Carbo Rocket in my hydration pack and then fresh water on the bike. And then I've dialed my Carbo Rocket back to like a two-thirds serving for these really long races. Uh, just so I can supplement with like a gel or waffle, something something different to mix it up. Um, in the four-hour lap races, in three-hour race, I was doing all Carbo Rocket. So uh, fresh water bottle on the bike and then Carbo Rocket in my hydration bladder. And I was racing, you know, four plus hours with uh, no solid foods uh, or anything outside of the carbo rocket and water. But anyways, soon after that aid station, I believe this is where I entered a, a fairly long railroad tunnel. And it was when I, it, it was paved. So it was, it was fine, but it was like pitch dark in there. Uh, and you could just see the little light from the other end. And until you got about halfway across, it was a little sketchy because it was literally no light in there. Um, anyways, after the tunnel, I hit a nice gravel bike path. It was like an old railroad grade type type of path, and I, I picked up the pace there. And there was it was kind of funny because there was there's a few walkers, and, you know, just people out for recreation, and it was like hauling by them. And uh, they probably figured out at some point there was a race going on because I mean we somebody's coming by them every minute or two. But I made really good time on the bike path, uh, and then and then it turned up a gravel road to a switchback, and then up another jeep trail which at this point in the mileage, I knew it had to be, you know, close to the end of the, the race. Uh, cause I knew what the last mile or two looked like. Cause I had ridden out, uh, the last mile or two the, the day before, uh, my legs were flat, but I went ahead and stood up on it for some extra effort into the pedals. And like I said, cause I knew it was probably the last climb. Uh, I don't remember exactly what the descent looked like, but I, I believe it was that same type of like two track Jeep type trail that I had just climbed. It just was coming over the other side of it. Uh, and, and I let it rip came to the river. Then I hit, uh, hit some arrows to some single track that I later heard folks referring to as I believe was fisherman's trail. Uh, it was a complete, complete hike a bike, uh, big rocks. Um, you know, work just to like hike around on it. And, uh, that night, like we were kind of just joking around the, uh, the race finished that, you know, that there's some local guy that rides with no helmet and cut off jean shorts and that can ride it according to legend quote. Um, uh, anyways, uh, fisherman's trail was followed by a railroad grade 
that I assumed would hit the final narrow bridge. So the there's a really narrow bridge within the you know like two miles from the finish that it's like your handlebars sort of fit inside of it, but barely. Uh, I think my bars are seven twenties, maybe seven forties. I don't know for sure. Uh, but there it's wide enough that you know I there's you don't want to ride it because i mean you're going to bounce the handlebars off it so uh and i i think i've seen videos of this on the dirt wire uh videos of people you know hopping the front wheel up and running the bike across so that's what i did i dismounted ran the bike across uh, across the bridge was another old railroad tunnel but this one wasn't paved uh it was rocky i had actually checked it out the day before uh, actually i rode through it the day before uh, I jumped off my bike to lift it over a couple of rocks, uh, log, and then, you know, jump back on. It was going to ride across. There was, once you got into the opening, it was rideable the rest of the way. It was a little rocky still, but I, there was enough light in there to kind of, kind of see. There was, there was two older ladies like walking around in it and I don't know what they were doing. I don't know if they knew there was a race going on. I don't, I don't know if they were local or just, I have no idea, but, uh, they just kind of like looked at me like, what is, what is this guy doing? Cause one of them was like right at the entrance. She was like standing by where I like jumped off my bike. Like I said, she was just kind of like, what, <laughs> where's this guy think he's going? And I, I, one of them, I think said something about like, careful. It's, it's like Rocky or, or something, but uh, I, they had to figure out there was something, you know, race going on. Cause it's not like we were spaced out a ton. Right. So like somebody had to have just come through it a couple minutes before me or a minute before me, you know, people were coming in, you know, every minute or so behind, um, a couple minutes at least. And so anyways, who knows what they thought, whatever, but, uh, I, I kind of got a, uh, a kick out of it. I popped out the other side of the tunnel and um, that's the home stretch from there. It's, uh, it's, it's, I think it was, that's pavement from there back, if I remember correctly. Uh, maybe that first part after the tunnel is some gravel still. I, I can't remember. It doesn't really matter. I mean, it's you're within a mile and a half to mile of the finish, and uh, I stayed on the gas and it was, it was on. I dropped my uh, as I turned into the park. I dropped my my chain off the uh, bottom of my cassette again, and it wedged into my chainstay, like locked my pedals up. I got it to free up, and I was I was able to pedal across the finish line, and I. Yeah, my bike's taken apart right now because I'm I gotta replace all the bearings in my um suspension pivots. But uh so I actually derailers, I mean I just took it all all apart. So um it'll it'll be all freshened up when I'm when I'm done. So anyways, I ended up finishing in eight hours and thirty-three minutes with a twenty-sixth place finish overall or I'm sorry, 26th place finish in the men's open class and a 36th place overall finish. Uh, so the 10 place difference was made up with uh, an overall, uh, in the overall finish was to the uh, winner of the women's open uh, and then uh, the winner of the men's masters. And then uh, eight of those, as I wrote in my report, cra- uh, report crazy single speeder guys. So I, man, I, those, those guys on some of those climbs, just out of the saddle, just cranking over a low cadence, just a lot of, a lot of strength. So 
I, uh, they made me feel bad every time I was shifting into a granny gear as they pedaled up past me. So the closing thoughts, uh, or my closing thoughts on the Wilderness 101. And I usually, you know, I have some type of a closing or, you know, I do all my race reports a little bit different, but, um, you know, I get some comments or feedback occasionally, or I get some Facebook messages or emails and people I want to ask questions about the races and that type of thing. And so I, I thought I would try to maybe add a little bit more of my lessons learned into some of these. And I'll try to do a better job of that in the future, especially now that I'm going to do a podcast version of it. I can, I can kind of elaborate more on the podcast as well, just because it's easier. I don't, you know, I don't have to type it out, right? I can just talk. But uh, the race reports, the written ones will kind of have a, you know, we'll definitely have it laid out in a, a high level there too. But anyway, so really two two areas, the climbs. Uh, I, I should have pushed myself harder on the climbs and there's two of them more, most specifically that I should have pushed myself harder on. Um, one of them is the, is the, uh, that climb around the 50 mile mark coming out of aid station three. I, I should have pushed myself harder on that climb. Uh, without a doubt. I should have, I should have pushed harder. I just, I think at the time it was one of the, I didn't really know how long it was going to be. The grade was changing. I was tired and I was like, well, I got another 50 miles. I made the halfway point. I think I just mentally kind of let off a little bit because I, I mean, I was fatigued. My legs were, you know, my legs were done, but there was more left in the tank. So, uh, and then 66 mile mark, uh, 69 mile mark. I don't know. I, I, right off the top of my head right now, I can't remember exactly what it is, but that Jeep trail climb coming out of aid station four, um, I, I should have pushed that harder too. It was one of those things I, I kind of went into it harder, but it was, as I kept looking up and seeing it going forever, I'm not used to seeing climbs that go on for that long. And so I just didn't know how hard I could push for how long on that climb. Um, you know, when I do, I do, I'll put in efforts, you know, 20 minute efforts and, and whatnot. Um, but it's not the same doing it in a flat versus doing it on a, on a, on a pretty steep grade. Uh, but anyways, I, those, those two climbs, I should specifically, I should have pushed harder in hindsight. Um, cause I, I, I had, I had some left when I hit that last final climb, uh, more than I should have. So, and, and what I think what happens is your mind tells you one thing. But when you kind of push through that and fight it, you find out you got more left in you than what your mind mind thinks you do. Uh, the second thing on nutrition, um, I, I think I might have mentioned this earlier, but the I, I still haven't gotten my nutrition nailed, and I I, I feel like my body sp- responds really well to the coke, and I don't know if I need to um, throw a throw a soda in my drop bags or uh, or whatnot, but. Uh, I got, I got to figure that out a little bit. So that it, uh, it perked me up. So anyways, I, 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 yeah. What, uh, what I, what would I do again? So, you know, what, what, well, and what would I repeat? Uh, the whole plan of hanging with the race leaders or that lead pack through the first aid station. Yeah, definitely do that again. Um, yeah, it, uh, 
I mean, it wasn't like an easy effort, but I, it was, uh, uh, didn't burn me out. It didn't, I didn't blow up doing it. And next time I would, uh, try to stay with them on that two track climb out of that aid station as well. Um, so general thoughts, I liked the race. Uh, there was a lot of gravel, but the single track was rough. Uh, and I, at the end of the day, I just like getting out and experiencing new races, trails, train, uh, First time I ever rode a mountain bike in Pennsylvania. Well, the first time I ever rode a bicycle in Pennsylvania. Heck, I think it is the, uh, might only have been the second time I even stepped my foot in the state of Pennsylvania. So, um, anyways, the, uh, the, the climbs were, were much more than what I, I'm used to. It's a different approach versus the short, punchy, punchy stuff, you know, that I will ride on like single track. Um, yeah, I just wasn't sure. I wasn't quite sure where to dial in my effort on those 20 plus minute climbs. I didn't know how long the climbs were going to be outside of that, that first one. Um, and then I, you know, I think that's also a reason to try to stay, you know, if, if your abilities let you, um, stay with riding with someone else when you're hitting those, because it does push your effort. Once I think once you get out there on your own, um, it, it's hard to, to push yourself. That first climb, it was, it was EVZ for me to put the extra effort in because I had a specific, I'm trying to, to stay with these guys. So, um, would I do the wilderness one-on-one again? Yeah. Heck yeah. Uh, I liked the, I liked the whole setup of the race. I enjoyed it. Uh, that, that whole idea of taking over the park for the weekend and, and letting the racers come in and just pitch a tent and hang out. I mean, there's, there was, uh, there's a couple motorhomes there, but it wasn't really like a, a great spot to be parking a motorhome. But I, if I remember correctly, the motorhomes parked in some like paved area that was kind of like behind the post office right next to the park. Um, there was a couple, you know, really, really small little travel trailers there. And then, uh, but you know, a couple of van camper van type things, but you know, most people just pitched the tent. I mean, it was, it was a good time. Um, you know, it, and it was, it was included in the registration, the, the course, uh, was marked well. Um, you know, all the corners had, if there was a turn coming, it was a double arrow stacked. Uh, if you look on my Instagram page, you'll, I, I recently put a picture of that, uh, course marking. So you'd see, uh, arrows coming into the turn and then after you made the turn. So every time you made a turn, there was an arrow headed straight up that, you know, trailer road, just kind of a verification that you made the right turn. And there was, I, I like that, you know, cause it, you, you know, you make your turn and like, wait a second, did I, did I make the right turn? Uh, so there was always an arrow there that kind of let you know, uh, there was very few times on the course when I was riding along and wondering, Oh, did I, man, I haven't seen an arrow in a, in a while. Uh, I, I think I can remember like a, like two spots, a couple of spots. I couldn't tell you where they're at, but where I started thinking like, ah, am I on the right? And then all of a sudden I'd see an arrow. So it was, um, yeah, I, I, I thought the, the course marking, the course markings were really easy to, to see. They were yellow, yellow with a black arrow. They stood out great. So, um, that's always a plus. I, I, uh, you know, you never like going along wondering if you're on course. Um, I've been to a lot of, there was plenty of, I mean, the, the race provided food and beer afterwards. Um, 
Yeah, I've been to a lot of races where like there was an after party and awards and that kind of stuff, but maybe it was like scheduled later and then at a, a different site or just like too long of a time between and whatnot. And like sometimes you never make it back or, or whatever because, you know, you sometimes you can't stay at the venue site, that kind of thing. So by the time you like leave, you know, so it was really awesome just everything being like right there. Um, so it was just I, I enjoyed the whole whole setup to get to meet some like nice people out there and and uh sure run into some of the same people again uh hit up some other NUE races so yeah i'd like to get back out there again uh so a couple of you know housekeeping type things at the bottom of my race report well throughout the race report from each aid station to aid station i have a um screenshot that has that map section of the the, the course highlighted along with a uh, elevation profile and then a, a highlighted row within my uh, split times. It's the lap split times, but it's from basically eight station to eight station. So at the very bottom of the report, then again, I have the basically the chart that has each split time, eight station to eight station. It's got some data in there, you know, Duration, mileage, uh, moving time, my average speed, my average heart rate for all those sections. And then uh, my max heart rate for for those sections. Uh, you can see toward the end of the race, like I just wasn't pushing it. And like my my average heart rate for A4 to A5 was like only 139 beats per minute. It's like crazy low for, for me for racing. Um Actually, my average heart rate through really any any of it was um, kind of on the low side. I think my av- my highest average heart rate split section was from aid one to aid two. It was 159 beats per minute. So, and I've done races this of this length time frame. Um, like overall, would average somewhere in there one 150 to. 154 um when i've done like some of the four and a half hour the four hour lap races which you end up racing for about four and a half hours four hours 20 minutes earlier this year like my average heart rate was like 166 or something like that low 160s mid 160s so um so anyways back to back to the wilderness 101 uh, so underneath that, then there's a link to my Strava file. Feel free to follow me on Strava. Uh, I, I post all my rides, runs, activities out there. Um, kind of a nerd. I like to to track this stuff. It's what makes this kind of fun for me. Uh, I've got some photos that I took from the weekend. I didn't take any photos during the race. I didn't take my phone with me while I was racing, but basically from the day before when I was kind of checking things out and and that kind of thing. And then I've got links. Uh that are at the bottom of the race report. So Shenandoah Mountain Tour and the, you know, the race organizer, NUE, National Ultra Endurance Series. Uh, they're, the race is part of that series. Uh, Bob's Photo Gallery with the photos from the race. Check those out. Dirtwire TV, uh, link to uh, Quadsworth, because that's Gordon Wadsworth's website. And then, of course, a link to my Facebook page, uh, Endurance Path. My Instagram is Endurance Path underscore or I'm sorry, endurance underscore path. And then my Twitter handle is Hamlin SM. And, uh, and then at the bottom of the report, you can subscribe so you can get all those reports by email.
anyways, hope you enjoyed the report. Uh, I'm not quite sure which, I kind of have a good idea which one will come out next, actually. Um, the Margigesic 100 is coming up soon, so I'd like to get that report out. So there's two two race reports that I'd like to get out here soon. One is uh, an audio version of my Margigesic 100 race report from last year, and then a uh, I've got one other uh, Check 40 race report. I think that's from the last one I did. I'll, I'll get that out too. But uh, I might do some stuff with some gear because I'm working through some some gear related things here and and that type of thing. That might be funny, <laughs> entertaining stories for uh, some of you or potentially relatable. Uh, but anyways, if I have lessons learned, I might as well might as well pass them on to somebody else. Uh, so, anyways, if you have any questions, comments related to the podcast, send them to podcast at endurancepath.com. Don't forget to check out the other stuff on the website. I mentioned I was putting together the resources page that has links out to various race series. It's all stuff that I think is kind of like more bucket list end of things, like big profile or not nah, not big profile, but events that I've heard are, you know, in series that I've heard are well run, a good time that, you know, you kind of tend to see people always wanting to go back to them, talking about them a lot, that type of thing. And uh, I've done this for, uh, and then I've got links out to the, the various, uh, race calendars that are out there. So I, I'm not, turn, uh, uh, there's some, there's some pretty good calendars out there. And so I've, I've got links to those and, uh, and I've got some resources for like, if you're trying to set up a home gym and, and that type of thing, some of that stuff's affiliate links. Um, but, uh, that's a good way to, to, to support the, the blog and the, the podcast and stuff too. Anyways. Uh, and uh, I've got some trading zone calculators and some different things and different tools I'm, I've been putting together. So check that stuff out. Uh, there's, uh, I'm trying to make the website easier to, easier to navigate. Anyways, until next time, later. <laughs>